0: Our life group, small group, had taken the summer off with people being on vacation, and one couple was moving, and so we got to meet together the other night for the first time uh, in a little while. We'd gotten together before during the summer, but it was just good to to catch up on what's happening, uh, how vacations went, and people getting settled into their new house and, and talking about the direction that our group is going to take. And we really got into some good uh, biblical discussions. Uh, it was really good. And, you know, God created us for community. It's not his plan for us to do life alone. And one of our devotionals uh, the other day was in 1 Timothy 5 and I had the emphasis on family, children taking care of parents and grandparents, being there for those that need us. And with our mobile society, it's easy for this thought to get lost. Uh, You know, it used to be people lived together Uh, in the same community, at least. Uh, Sometimes people were living together two or three generations in the same house. Um, I'm not calling for that after having done it for five months. (coughs) Excuse me. Even though it was a good experience, but it wouldn't be a good permanent experience. But what that does is make us to be concerned about the needs of others and referring to this in verse 5 or excuse me verse 4 of 1 Timothy 5 Paul says that pleases god being concerned about the needs of others and i'm sure it does because <laughs> that was his plan let's pray father we just give you thanks for the way you have set us up, different than any other part of your creation. Uh, Just having a a love and concern for each other and just um, helping to meet the needs of each other and not just family and not just church family. Lord, you call us to be concerned about the needs for all people. And so, Lord, I just praise you for that. So, Father, as we look at your word today, Lord, help us to see your message, what it is you want us to get from this. Uh, So, Father, just let your Holy Spirit guide us, open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the word worship. The dictionary definition is reverent honor and homage paid to God or a sacred personage, or to any object regarded as sacred, it could be formal or ceremonious rendering of such honor and homage. In other words, like they attended worship worship at their church today. Okay, now <coughs> excuse me. Most churches would say that they worship the Lord, uh, and most would say that they do it with music. That, that's considered their worship time. Um, now, I know in churches that we've been attending since my retirement, um, you know, the first, what, 10, 12, whatever minutes, uh, the worship team is out there and we're singing. And quite often that's the only time that you do sing. Uh, a couple of churches that we've gone to, they... Uh, would maybe sing again at the end. Uh, More traditional, you know, you sing a hymn here, then you maybe have a prayer time and they're offering, you sing another hymn, and then maybe you have the message and then you sing another hymn. Um, And those times are what they consider the times of worship. But also, everything that we do uh, from the beginning to the end of a worship service is an act of worship. You know, take but the offering is an act of worship. Uh, you Your prayer time, if you have that, is an act of worship. The message is an act of worship. But looking at it from a music standpoint, uh, I know there's some churches that have zero musical instruments in them. Uh, a woman that I went to seminary with had grown up in a, some kind of Presbyterian church. I can't remember what it was reformed or whatever but she said that they had no organ no piano anything like that in the service which I'm not gonna judge now I've never been to an Amish wedding or funeral but I've been told that at sometime during that service uh, that the people are just the men are just kind of standing around the, the room a lot of times it's just in somebody's home and at, at some time during that service a man will start singing and the rest of the men will join in and that especially if it's a large service it can be, uh, you know, very moving. There's no musical instruments, it's just voices. Um, but there's, there's many different styles or forms of worship. Uh, traditional that you know I was in while in the ministry Uh, you know there's a piano and or an organ and you sing hymns. Um, Other services are more contemporary, uh, guitars, drums, keyboards Uh, maybe one person is the leader in singing but there could be two, three, four other people that are singing Um, and then what has become known as blended worship it's attempting to mix these two forms of worship Uh, successfully yeah maybe maybe not but what difference does it make well it makes a lot of difference actually because people need to have that worship experience uh, musically Uh, as part of the whole worship experience. We were part of a a joint community worship experience. I don't know if it was like a Thanksgiving service for the community or what it was, but it was a blended service. Now, there was one church that was there, the church that we had this service in. And the folks there, uh, everything was contemporary. and some of the people that were part of this chorus that we had put together um, had trouble uh, singing some of the hymns. They, they weren't familiar with the hymns. And then there were others that had trouble singing some of the contemporary choruses that were part of that. Now, the United Methodist Churches that we served, uh, we tried to get people to sing some choruses. Um, (laughs) one church that we served uh, had three churches at that time and they had trouble singing anything I mean they sang Amazing Grace like they had never sung it before Uh, so trying to get them to sing choruses was not an easy task excuse me now the last church that we served uh, we were there for eight years And it was the easiest one to get them to sing some of the choruses because uh, a lot of them had come from uh, bigger churches where that was done, uh, even though the church where we were was a small church. So the Bible's best definition of what worship should be, I find in Psalm 150. And this is what the New Living Translation says Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise Him with unequaled greatness. Praise Him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with a lyre and the harp. Praise Him with a tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with a loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, what sticks out to you in this? Well, to me, it's verse five where it says, praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Yeah, okay, let's make some noise for the Lord. Hallelujah. But there's some other things that are in there in verse 4 and 5, well, even in verse 3, because it says, praise him with the the tambourine. Now, you know, you can really get on that tambourine and make some noise, but it's not a real loud thing. But it says, praise him with a lyre. And the harp, praise them with strings and flutes, okay? Those are not loud, clashing instruments. You know, I mean, the harp, you know, if you hear the word harp, what do you think of? You think of an angel sitting on their cloud with their harp, right, making this beautiful music. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of harp music in my life, but it's not going to compete with loud clashing cymbals to be heard. Uh, now, lyre is a form of a harp. <clears throat> Excuse me. Strings and instruments uh, aren't going to be very loud. Now, if we're talking electric guitars, where you can amp it up, it can be very loud. But, so it's not all about the noise. It's not the more decibels, the better. Yeah. Now, it's it's something that glorifies the Lord. Now, I am not a country music fan or a big fan of Southern gospel, although there's a few decent Southern gospel groups out there. Now, when we first moved to Delaware, there was a Southern gospel group under every rock you picked up okay? Most of them should have stayed under the rock, okay? But what matters is the words, not the beat, not the tempo, not the decibels, excuse me. But if the words glorify the Lord, that's what's important. Now, going back to the Dictionary definition of the word worship, it says reverent honor and homage paid to God. In other words, putting God first in what we call worship. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes the worship team is receiving more praise than the Lord. Now, I appreciate being in a worship service with a good worship team you know people that you know are are good at what they do but if it becomes more than more of a performance then things need to be made right now much of worship that goes on in churches today is what i look at as horizontal worship <clears throat> excuse me we're more you're worshiping the church you're worshiping the pastor you're worshiping the worship team now what we need in many churches is more vertical worship now there's a group that that's the name of the group vertical worship and it's a a bunch of worship leaders from the Chicago area that have come together to form this group and they some of them are songwriters and they're part of the Harvest Bible Chapel and maybe a song of theirs that you've heard is yes I will if you listen uh, on the radio or whatever uh, but their goal is to serve churches through worship songs, through worship leader training, and encourage believers, leaders everywhere to hold on to the hope, to realize that God is going to be faithful. So I think vertical worship is a great idea for every church, for all of us. Because sometimes our worship can become idol worship, I-D-L-E. Like I said before, some people are, are just at church for the music. They're not really worshiping the Lord. Uh, at the church where we go, Life Church, we have what they call Life Kids, uh, and Kids can be in that all different age groups, and it meets during the adult church. And there's this man that I see at the 10 o'clock service when I'm serving. When the the worship team is done, done, he brings his daughter out. She's like maybe five or six. He brings her out and takes her to Life Kids. And he says, she just loves the music. And so she wants to stay there. Uh, and be part of that uh, and then when it's done then she wants to go to be in Life Kids to get the message and the snack and whatever else they have there so there may be some adults that feel the same way you know well the music's over yeah let, let's let go to wherever uh, you know I'm done you know I've I've heard what I came to hear or Some are maybe more like this. They're just kind of going through the motions. This is just what we do, and this is just how we do it. Now, that can be true, whether it's contemporary or traditional worship. We have a friend that I remember. They attended a, a pretty traditional church, and he said, I'm always done with a hymn before the organist is. You know, if we're singing a, a four-verse hymn, you know, they're finishing verse three and I finish in verse four um, because, you know, they just play it so slow. And so, you know, not sure what he was getting out of the musical part anyways, uh, just trying to see if he could beat the organist or, you know, if everybody else kind of felt the same way. You know i mean you can sing amazing grace how sweet the sound you can sing amazing grace how sweet the sound now god's going to be blessed in either one but you know i guess it's what you like or don't like i know there's some churches that uh, one church we went to in Florida for a couple years, there was people that would stay outside of the sanctuary until the worship team was done, and then they would go in. Uh, Been in churches where they have a a basket by the entrance where people can get some earplugs so they don't have to be overwhelmed, I guess, by the worship. (coughs) Excuse me. But, (coughs) excuse me, this is what Jesus says about worship in John 4. Now, this is part of Jesus' conversation with a woman at the well. Okay, verses 22 to 24. Jesus said, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from Jews, yet a time is coming, and has now come when the true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, Jesus isn't saying you must be a Jew to worship the Lord. But what he is saying is that you need to be connected to the Lord through the spirit in order to be a a true worshiper. Now, I cannot judge the person next to me in church about how they're worshiping. You know, some people raise their hands. Some people, they would not raise a hand if, um, you know, they thought they'd get a million dollars because they're in church and you just don't do that. So it's between them and the Lord and not just the raising hand part because he knows their heart. Now, Jesus said, you know, you Samaritans, you got it all wrong and some might say well you know at least they're worshiping uh no i don't think so because if you're not worshiping in spirit or in truth because they didn't know the truth so you can't do something that you're totally unaware of okay, because much of the truth of salvation is contained in parts of the scriptures that the Samaritans didn't believe. I like how Psalm 113 tells us we are to be worshiping the Lord. Okay, this is verses uh, 1 through 6. I believe it's NIV. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? Okay, we're to be worshiping the Lord all day, every day, all the time. Not just an hour on Sunday, maybe Wednesday night, maybe in a small group, but we're to be in an attitude of worship always. The psalmist asks this question in verse 5, Who is like the Lord our God? The answer is no one. Okay, not then, not now, not ever. Okay, Psalm 18.3 says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. First Chronicles 16.25 For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Psalm 96, 4. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Psalm 145, 3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And there are many, many, many more places where it tells us that we should be worshiping the Lord. We worship God because He alone is worthy of our praise. Well, let me look at another form of worship, okay? And this is idol worship, okay? Not the idol worship we just had. That was I-D-L-E. This is I-D-O-L, idol worship. And people will say, well, that's silly. I don't have any idols. Well, (laughs) we're reading through the Chronological Bible. Lots and lots of idol worship going on by everyone, by the Gentiles, by the Jews. You know, and to me, I I don't understand how or why people would or could worship the things that they did and still do. Because at that time, and I'm sure still now, there were people that were in the idol-making business. You know, it would be just like going to the, the butcher or the baker or the candlestick maker. You know, there was the idol maker. And so you go in and, you know, he's going to ask you, well, what? you want this one out of wood or maybe, look you know, kind of rich, maybe a gold one or silver or stone. You know, I can make a combo, you know, a little wood here, a little stone there. You know, how big you want it to be. You want it to look like an animal of some kind, a bird, a fish. Maybe you look like a person that you know. Uh, some people then and still now maybe worship the sun or the moon or the stars or the wind or the trees. So again, we say, ha, that's silly. I don't have any idols like those. But that doesn't mean that you don't have an idol that you worship. How about athletes? You know, I remember, oh goodness, 50 years ago, about that time, excuse me, there was a man I worked with that was very, very prejudiced. He was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And, you know, I said, well, you know, what about Mean Joe Green? You know, and all these black players that are on the steel. Oh, they're great guys. You know, they're wonderful. You know, really? You know, but people can idolize. You know, Michael Jordan, I think, is still being idolized, even though he hasn't played basketball in years. Some people idolize politicians. Okay. You can tell, I'm sure, from things I say, that I'm kind of a conservative guy. And some people, still in my mind, uh, get a little carried away with politicians. Okay, <clears throat> um, I guess I don't want to get political. I won't go any further than that. <clears throat> or celebrities. Our grandson. Uh, he is an Elvis fan. He can tell you anything you want to know and a lot more that you maybe don't really want to know About Elvis okay and he told my wife one day that Elvis was his idol well you don't do that okay and I'll get to that in a minute but we can also idolize our family you know some people idolize maybe their mother or their father or whoever it might be how about non-living things You know, to some people, their home, their vehicle, you know, the money, their bank account, their clothes, their shoes. (coughs) Excuse me. So, you know, let's take a look at what Scripture has to say about this idol worship. Okay, I'm going to read from the message, Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5. It says, No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, Or form of anything whatever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim, don't bow down to them and don't serve them, because I am God, your God, and I am a most jealous God. Now, verses 5 and 6 go on to tell us that God will punish people to the third and fourth generations who hate Him. Okay, in other words, If my great-great-grandfather was an idol worshipper, I could be paying for it because of what he did. But if that same man, my great-great-grandfather, showed love to the Lord and followed his commandments, it says that God will show love to 1,000 generations. Now, I didn't know my great-great-grandfather. I didn't even know my grandfather. So I don't know their relationships. To the Lord. I don't know that my father had a relationship with the Lord, but I'm not feeling as that I'm being punished for the lives that they lived or the things that they did and/or didn't do. Uh, I'm going to take us back to John 4, verse 24, where Jesus said, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This is what it boils down to, to Jesus' answer to one of the teachers of the law in Mark twelve thirty. Somebody was trying to trick him, but Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In other words, putting God before anything and everything in worship. And you're not going to go wrong. Well, I wanted to find a song that I thought might fit this message. And every place I looked, there was only two verses, except this one place. And I didn't make this verse up. Okay, it was there, actually. Um, But this is what it says. We sing praises to your name, O Lord. Praises to your name, O Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. We give glory to your name, O Lord, glory to your name, O Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. We give worship to your name, O Lord, worship to your name, O Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be to be praised. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for accepting the worship that we bring to you. I know sometimes our efforts maybe maybe aren't the best. Maybe the songs we sing get a little off track. And maybe the, the sound that we make isn't pleasing to the ears of everyone. But Lord, I think from what Psalm 150 tells us, that, that the sound is going to be good to you. And that's what's important. So Lord, help us to always make our best effort in worshiping you, not having idol worship of any kind, no matter how you spell it, not having horizontal worship. Where we only are, are worshiping the pastor, or the the church, or the, the worship team, or whatever it might be, make our worship always be vertical, worshiping you. And Father, I lift up anyone that may be listening to this that doesn't know you, has no relationship with you, and isn't sure what all this worshiping God stuff is about. Lord, I pray that that today will be the day that they come to an understanding of who you are the fact that they need you in their life. So Lord, let them know that they need to come to you praying a prayer, kind of like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. You sent your Son as the only Savior. Lord, thank you that he died for my sins, that I can live in eternity with you. Lord, Accept me just as I am and help me to become better. Help me to become who you need me and want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen amen.